You are listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about today's issues from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. We ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Here's your host, Wade Lentz and Harold Smith. Welcome to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. I'm Wade Lentz, pastor of Barrel Baptist Church, and I'm joined with my good friend, Harold Smith, who is the pastor at First Baptist Church of Roland, Oklahoma. Harold, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Wade. How have you been? I've been doing good. I got my food plots put in. I got the ground tilled, the seed in the ground, and we got about a three quarters of an inch of rain on it. So, all right. Yeah, I got deer candy on the ground. It's just a matter of time. You know, I've noticed this year a couple of uh, in different states in Tennessee and North Carolina, they're allowing them to kill bucks while they're still in their felt. Yeah. That's not legal in Arkansas, is it? No, our season doesn't open until the last weekend of September. And usually by then, deer have got full hard bone antlers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, uh, some of those eastern states allow that. And especially out west, uh, your western states like Colorado, their their archery season will open up in September. That goes for Utah. So you could get elk or mule deer um, in velvet out there. Hmm. That'd be an interesting uh, mount right there, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really would be. You know, the, I think the, some of the Asian cultures think that uh, velvet has like uh, uh, male enhancement properties, for lack of a better word. And so there are actually farms in America that raise elk and then cut their horns off when the velvet's still on them. Hmm. somehow preserve them and send them to these Asian countries where they grind it up and make soup out of it. So when somebody says, well, I just shoot the first deer that comes by because you can't eat them horns. I'm like, no, the Asians, they're eating those horns <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they claim it works wonders. So I thought you were going to say they grind it up and then make Viagra out of that and then ship it to us. <laughs> Probably. <so. laughs> but there's a whole bunch of stuff like a bear gallbladder. My dad's it, it's illegal to sell any part of a bear killed in Arkansas. You can't sell the claws to make a necklace out of. I mean, you can't sell the hide. It's it's protected. But if you kill one in Canada, you can sell all of it. And so hmm. up there, they've got buyers that will buy the gallbladder out of a bear because the gallbladder has some medicinal value in Asian cultures. And so um, I want to say it's been several years. My dad got like 250 or $300 the gallbladder out of his bear and then i don't know they dry them and you know i i don't know that's crazy i know i've (laughs) i've never been tempted to eat the gallbladder out of anything right right Not big on organ meats (laughs) (laughs) pretty nasty speaking of hunters yeah one of the greatest hunter celebrities yeah uh of the really he's an icon Uh uh-huh hank jr yeah Tied the knot last week. Did you see that? Again, he. this is his fourth marriage. Now, the last one, to be fair, the last yes, one to passed be fair. away. He's a widower. Right. She uh, passed away suddenly last year. She was having a surgery, and uh, somehow her lung got punctured, and she passed away at age 58 after 33 years of marriage. Yeah. Uh, but to our surprise, we saw on social media that Hank got married and uh, – 
noticeably to a much younger lady. <laughs> How old was she? I mean, Hank she's, is. She's 43. Hank is the same age as my dad. I want to say 74. Yeah, he's 74. Yeah. So 31 years difference. And, uh, but, you know, when you got $50 million, what you're worth, yeah, that or more. You can get younger women. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, Hank has written tons and tons of songs, many of them number one hits. Yeah. About his promiscuous lifestyle, you know, of, of mm -hmm. uh, even has a song called, I like to have women I've never had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who marries a guy who sings about this kind of lifestyle? Yeah. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I gr was growing up, I loved Hank Jr. I mean, oh, I, yeah. He was the country music star of the eighties and nineties. Absolutely. During that time frame, entertainer of the year, just hit after hit after hit. Uh he was the he was really the guy that got the Monday night football uh theme song going. Are mm -hmm. you for some football? You know? Yes. Yes. For years Hank did that. And it wasn't until he was criticizing, I believe, Obama that he lost his his Monday night contract. And uh, but yeah. I I love Hank and, and Hank, oh, I, do too. I, I, I don't know. I, he's yeah, not he, just, he, he's a talented man. Wouldn't you agree? Wait, I mean, you, oh my you, goodness, you can play and sing. I can't yeah. one, but he could do anything. He is a multi-talented musician. Not only he can play just anything that has strings. He can play, you know, fiddle to guitar, uh, you name it, but he's also a, a great songwriter. And, you know, even though his songs would not be played on a Sunday morning worship service, uh, Country Boy Can Survive, lyrically speaking, is a it's masterpiece. An yeah, yeah, it's an anthem of the South. Yeah. All my rowdy friends are coming over tonight. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Oh, I can think of a bunch of oh, them. Yeah. All I mean, my rowdy friends have settled down. Settled <laughs> down. Yes. Yeah. Love, yeah. I mean, I love that. It, yeah. It's uh, it. Lyrically speaking, he's a he's a master at at songwriting, um, but he he lives a lifestyle that you and I would not agree with. But that does not take away his his talent. And but what I found in uh, in this marriage here is that he was married in a small little Baptist church in Banks, Alabama. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mentioned on social media that he got married, and one of my friends on social media said, "Well." As much as he's worth, I still love to buy him for that and then sell him for what he thinks he's worth. I used to like him. Now he's just like a potty mouth bag of hot air. Mm. And my reply to that was, yeah, he, he's a rich, old, cranky, lost man. But I do pray for his salvation as the Lord gives me re remembrance. Wouldn't it be great to hear that Hank got saved? Oh, yeah. You know, Hank is just acting like a pagan, a lost person acts like. Okay? That's what lost people do. Yeah. They, they cuss. They're rude. Um, you know, and probably Hank, we, you know, we've talked about this before. He probably thinks he is a Christian. Okay. Grew up in the South. Uh, we say grace. We say ma'am. You ain't into I, that. <laughs> we won't finish we won't it up, go. Wade. <laughs> But he's just your probably typical yeah. American. Well, my mom belt. was a Christian, you yeah. know, Bible belt, typical Bible belt citizen, you know, went right. to church as right. a kid, whatever, <clears throat> sings gospel music occasionally, you know, sure, stands for the flag and, and swears by the Bible. 
I agree with you. And I can appreciate lost people for who they are. I can appreciate them for their talents. And mm-hmm. I think there's really kind of a problem in Christianity today where it's it's almost like if someone's not a Christian, we you know, we shouldn't even have anything to do with them. Right. However, when you look at the Christian music industry, it is rampant with some of the worst instances of immorality, some of the worst theology. And, and I'm like, I, I would rather listen to Hank Jr. and know what I'm hearing than listen to a contemporary Christian artist who's subliminally teaching me stuff that I shouldn't be thinking is yeah. contrary to the Bible. So I, I, I pray for Hank. And, I, you know, I had a thought. What if? What if I'm at the First Baptist Church of Roland and this big tour bus comes pulling in there and Hank Jr. and some girl get out and come walking in and they say, hey, man, we're passing through. Want to get married. Mm-hmm. What would I do? Yeah. Would I marry them or would I not? And I'm going to tell you what most Baptist preachers would say. Absolutely not. You don't know what marriage is. And I'm, I wouldn't fault you for that. Right. I'd say, yeah, but I conduct the service. Mm-hmm. We would go to the front of the church. And I'd preach about a 20 minute gospel message with invitation. Yeah. yeah. And say, this is a picture of what marriage is. And <laughs> right. I, I would do his marriage and I wouldn't take any money for it. He would be paying by having to listen to a 20 minute or 30 minute gospel presentation while they stood there old dance, listen yes. to me. And if they didn't make it to the end, then somebody else could marry him. But <laughs> yeah. I had to thinking about, I thought, man, what a, I've always, and it's not just Hank Jr., celebrities. Yeah. What if I was stuck in an airport with, say, Dana White, the the, the promoter of the UFC? Mm-hmm. You know, what would I say to him? What if I was stuck in an airport with some, you Joe know, Rogan. J- Joe Rogan? Yeah, I've thought yeah. about Joe Rogan. You know, where mm-hmm. would I go? Because some of these guys are more intellectual. Some of them are more, you know, worldly driven. Uh, some of them have a church background. Some of them do not. Some of them are Catholics. You know, and yeah. so they, ha- they think they're okay because of their religion or something that happened as an infant. I've always prayed, Lord, I would love to see that. And here's why the world sees these people as celebrities. They have mm-hmm. a massive audience. And if they were converted, their conversion would be in front of a massive audience and the whole world yeah. would see it. So I don't necessarily have to be the guy with the microphone saying, listen to me. I would like to have the ear of someone who could stand up and say, listen to what God's done for me. Absolutely. uh, You know, if the Lord could use you to save one person that had an audience, uh, that would be very productive. So, yes, yes. And you think on it. Absolutely. You think about Hank, you think about all the tragedy that he has had, excuse me, in his life with his father dying at such a young age. Um, and then him falling nearly to his death in 1974. Yeah. His cocaine addiction, his, uh, alcoholism that he has uh, sobered up from, his failed marriages, his wife passing away, his daughter passing away in 2020 from a tragic car accident. She's 26 yeah. years old. Um, you have all of those tragedies, and and you want to just pray that somehow, some way, God uses those tragedies to bring him to salvation. And so I think it's a good thing to pray for celebrities, especially those that seemingly the seemingly the Lord lays upon your heart, that the Lord would send them a preacher, a gospel preacher, somehow, some way, that they would hear and then respond correctly to the gospel. Uh, 
And so this is kind of this podcast is just going to be a smorgasbord of all kinds of different topics. We're just going to oh, like a rapid fire. You let the cat out of the bag. Now everybody's turned us off. <laughs> yeah. Or they're going to wait and see what the next topic is, one or the other. Right, right. Well, the next one is uh, rather intriguing to me anyway. Um, I, I read the other day that uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, the former Fox News uh, analyst, analyst, whatever you want to call him, uh, he had a conversation with Governor Abbott at some event, and he asked Governor Abbott, why he was not doing more at the southern border of Texas. And Governor Abbott said, well, I'm doing everything that I can. And Tucker Carlson pushed back and said, no, you really are not. You have the largest uh, National Guard in the entire union. Why don't you utilize them, line them up at the border, and take care of this immigration uh, problem, serious problem? And the governor said, well, I can't do that. It's much more complicated than just that. And Tucker Carlson said, well, hold on a second. If you had individuals coming on your property uh, who were not authorized, you would take care of that. He said, well, the same thing is happening at the border. They are coming over in your state unauthorized, illegally. You should be able to take care of that. Now, what Tucker Carlson was talking about was lining them up with the National Guard and shooting use, use of deadly force yeah lethal lethal oh. force and um L- let me the, let me give you the problem with that okay the use of deadly force is authorized if that person is coming into your home this is called the castle doctrine a man has a right to defend his castle you're inside the safety and comfort of your own home someone tries to intrude on that you have the right to to defend yourself with lethal force but if someone's out on my property, I don't have the right to shoot them for walking across my property. Right. So if I'm hunting in my deer stand and the neighbors are trespassing as much as I would think, man, I'd like to just not kill him, but you know, shoot him in the ankle or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have the right to use lethal force to push someone off our property. Mm-hmm. The same would be true in uh, our, our national boundaries. Just crossing into our nation illegally is not grounds for lethal force. Right. Saying somebody coming into the governor's uh, house, that's different. Somebody coming onto the governor's lawn, we don't shoot them. Mm-hmm. We arrest them. You know, we charge them with, with trespassing. We don't charge them with trying to commit manslaughter. Yeah. So, yeah, you do have a big, uh, but as a guy that's been in the National Guard, let me say this. You don't want to be deployed somewhere to defend something unless you have the right to fully defend it. In mm-hmm. other words, don't send me to Katrina to protect property with empty firearms and no ammunition in them just to be a figurehead right. for the national guards here. Sure. You know? So what are you defending at the border and what, you know, how are you justified to defend it? And to be quite honest with you, nobody wants to shoot a group of women and kids coming across Mm-mm. the border. It's, no. it's not there. It, it's, it's, that's not justifiable. Right. And right. so, I mean, it, it sounds good, yeah. you know, but when you really think about it, hold on a second, what does it mean? Because just the national guard being there is not going to stop these people from crossing the border. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to do something to actually stop them, which is mow them down with a machine gun and morally and ethically. Yeah. There's just not, that. can't it's do not that. A, the punishment's not matching the crime. Right. Right. Oh, so, 
Yeah. So I don't know if Tucker Carlson is, is just trying to, uh, stir the pot. Ma- magnif- yeah. Stir the pot and get people angry. The, the thing about it is you, you can't just arrest them and put them in jail because you, you're right. already full of that. You can't just put them on parole, let them wander around because that's what they came here for. And shipping them immediately back. I mean, what do you do? Give them all a parachute and fly back over the other side of the border and push right. them a plane? I mean, how, how does all this work? Yeah. I yeah. think what Abbott has done has been effective is he's busted sure. them to sanctuary cities and said, you want them, you get them. Mm-hmm. And now you're starting to hear the cries of these northern cities saying, okay, enough's enough. We can't handle anymore. <laughs> right. And he's like, right. no, no, no. You're not at South Texas border town levels yet. Exactly. Uh, you, you don't have the crime levels yet. You, you, you're not experiencing the drug traffic yet. We need to keep dumping them. Yeah. And so I think until it becomes a national problem, um, I think Greg Abbott's doing a great job, just to be honest with you. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. want his job for nothing in the world. Right, right. The main, main thing is, is build that wall, right? Yeah. Well, that takes us to the next topic, and that is the Kevin McCarthy, uh, Speaker of the House, just announced, I believe Tuesday, that he is going to have an impeachment investigation on President Biden. No. Uh, this is what he said. He said, I am directing our House committees to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. Over the past several months, House Republicans have uncovered serious incredible allegations into President Biden's conduct, a cultural, a culture of corruption. So I don't uh, understand impeachment anymore. They impeached Tricky Dick Nixon and yeah. Tricky Dick left the office. They impeached uh, Bill Clinton and he stayed president and they impeached Trump twice and he stayed yeah. president. So, so is this yeah. just another dog and pony show is what I want to know. Yeah. With, with Clinton and, and uh, Trump. You know, it's got to pass the House of Representatives plus the the Senate, and in neither case did that happen. That's not going to happen this time. It's not going to happen this time. So, what is this? This is a political game, political game. They know it's not going to, uh, you know, go anywhere. I'm not saying that they should not do it, but we should understand that this is just a Republican way of trying to garner points before the election of 2024. And who knows who's going to be the Republican nominee? Who knows? Uh, Trump is uh, going to going to be tied up in court battles with his uh, indictments. This is going to be a crazy year for sure. Trump coming to the debates with an ankle monitor on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going to move the uh, Oval Office into a jail cell, I guess, you know, uh, who knows? And, you know, national politics is such a joke anymore. It is. I mean, it's like one guy gets in and writes all these, all these, um, oh, whatever they're called, like presidential orders or actions or whatever. And he writes all this. I mean, it's like the, our government no longer works like a government where bills are introduced. They're passed. They're moved to the next house. They're passed. They're sent to the, to the uh president's office to be signed into law that hardly ever happens now mm-hmm. now they say hey we need to, we need to pass the bill so we can see what's in it no yeah, debate yeah. that out on the floor and what debating that out does is it makes you go on the record and say i'm for or against each individual thing since politicians don't have to do that anymore 
They right. could just stand up and say, hey, man, I'm going to give everybody whatever they want. I'm for all this. I'm not for that. I'm for the mm-hmm. best, not the worst. But they never have to go on the record and vote for anything anymore because it all just works through presidential orders. and Yeah, executive uh, orders. Executive orders. Yeah. Right, right. That seems to be, I mean, they can sign an executive order, close all the businesses down, sign an executive order. Everybody wears mask again. Yeah. That's another thing. Where's our governor? I see Governor Abbott. I see other governors saying we're not going through the lockdowns. We're not issuing mask mandates here in Arkansas. We've got Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former mouth yeah. for President Trump. Why doesn't she come out and say what we're not going to do again? Oh, she did. Yeah, she recently just uh, said something that we are not going to be locked down. We're not going to be wearing mask mandates. Oh, she did. Yeah, she did just recently. Yeah. The problem with Sarah, though, here uh, just last week, she's wanting to take away the what they call FOIA, the uh, Freedom of Information Act. Yeah, Freedom of Information Act, which I can go and ask for all the emails, you know, because it's public knowledge. She's wanting to get rid of that. And this has been a shock to all the conservatives are like, okay, why do you not want people to know where you have been? And, and her reasoning is, well, it's for, um, our safety, my family's safety. Uh, hold on a second. That, that, that doesn't fly. You're hiding something. (laughs) And so there's a, there's a great debate in the Arkansas house as to this bill that she's even asked for a special session to hurry up and get this thing passed. But that's just it, Wade. When did the governor start writing bills and sending them to the house to be ran through? It, yeah, really. The information flows the other way. Right. That's right. It, it's totally backwards now. We've lost our divisions of of legislation. We no longer have a judicial and a congressional and an executive branches of government. It's all just jumbled up. Right. Crazy stuff. We are Politics. in trouble. I'm Politics. telling you. When a 74-year-old man can marry a 43-year-old woman, what is the world coming to? <laughs> oh, Hank still got it. He still got it. <laughs> His friends have settled down, but he hasn't. That's right. <laughs> He's still born to boogie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. What else we got on the topic? Well, speaking about bureaucrats and politics. Oh, yeah. You want to... Yeah, our good friends, our good friends over at the Southern Baptist Convention have demonstrated once again that they are a bloated bureaucracy, just like the federal government. And just like uh, you want to talk, we've been talking about the federal government and the state government being top down where the the president just signs orders and the the governor introduces legislation instead of the house introducing it. The same is taking place in the Southern Baptist Convention. So last year in New Orleans, the Southern Baptists came across pretty strong on their rejection of women pastors. That is what their Baptist Faith and Message 2000 says, that the office of pastor applies to males only, according to the Bible. So that's pretty much cut and dried. They've Mm -hmm. been that way since day one. Baptists, Southern Baptists especially, have never tolerated women preachers. So they removed three congregations last year, voted them out, upheld the recommendation to remove them. Most prominent was Saddleback Church, founded by Rick Warren in Southern California. So they were kicked out. And then there was a law amendment, which basically amends the 
Southern Baptist Constitution to say only men pastors to match yeah. the confession of faith and what was said on the floor. And that went through. So what the Southern Baptist Convention would say is the headquarters of the Southern Baptist Convention is the local church. We're a bottom up structure. So you guys run this place. We meet in a convention. Y'all conduct business. And then you hire these executives to do it all year. Mm-hmm. But you've decided in the convention. That's theoretically the way the convention works. So the floor spoke, but then you had some people that walked out to the microphone and it was like six past Southern Baptist presidents. Uh, yeah. The SBC mafia. Yeah. It was like James <laughs> Merritt and, uh, uh, Gaines. I can't, well, whatever the Gaines guy, Litton, Steve Gaines, yeah. Steve Gaines, Ed Litton, uh, JD Greer. They, they all come out and they said, uh, you know, we need to form a task force to study what it means to be in friendly cooperation. I'm like, no, you don't. Everybody just voted what it means. These guys right. are in. No, no, no. We we got to form this task force. So then I saw yesterday, it, it came out yesterday on 13th of September, that Bart Barber has formed a task force as the messengers approved uh, to study what it means to be in friendly cooperation. And he said, we really need this because we're voting out churches for having women pastors. I'm like, yeah, well, that's that's what it means to not be. He said, we we really need this because we just passed an amendment to to put in our Constitution that you have to be a man to preach. And we didn't even study that for a year. We just voted on it. And I'm like, you don't have to study the obvious for a year. If it's Mm -hmm. obvious, you just do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. if somebody says, Harold, I want to give you a hundred dollar bill and eh, let me pray and think on that for a while. No, that sounds <laughs> great. I'll take it. Yeah. It makes right. sense to me. This is obvious. Mm-hmm. So he forms this task force and guess who he puts on it? I mean, it's a laundry list of people and I can't remember them all. One of them is the director of missions and our good friend and recently voted out pastor Rick Warren and Saddleback oh, Church. Goodness. The DOM of Southern California <laughs> is on this list. Steve Gaines, who was part of the motion to make it, uh, you know, that introduced this, his wife is on it. Another prominent uh, <laughs> preacher's wife is on it. Um, there is a whole list of the type of people who got yeah. voted out on it. Uh-huh. And I'm just sitting here going, and, and you've got Southern Baptists going, boy, this is such a well-rounded list. Well-rounded is code talk for you've got all spectrums on there. Why right. want all spectrums on there? Yeah. When I'm you studying, gotta, I've got books here behind me on my bookshelf. I don't have anybody back here that doesn't believe that Jesus literally died or was born of a virgin. I mm-hmm. don't want the liberal version when I'm trying to find the truth. Right. Why would you pick a committee made up of people that have views contrary to the majority Southern Baptist mm-hmm. do this? Yeah. That's yeah. what blows my mind, Wade. And you and you have a representative of the Black Caucus. You said something like that. Not the he's the leader in, in yeah some kind of African American Baptist churches. Um, I don't remember which I believe they are pro women pastors. If I if I remember correctly, yes, most of them are. Um, yeah, but the point is, it's not to go. It, it, it's to discern what the majority of Southern Baptists want, and you get that from what they do on the floor of the convention. Mm-hmm. The problem is if the if the upper echelon doesn't like what the, the the humble peasants of the convention want, then they form a task force. 
Then yeah. they introduce legislation and it comes from the top down and they get a microphone and they get backing and it gets rammed through. Right. And right. next year's convention is in Indianapolis, Indiana, not exactly a bastion of conservative thought and religion, but sure. you top that though with this has been a top down problem for a long time. So Ronnie Floyd was removed as the CEO of the executive committee. That's kind of the controlling arm that, that handles where the money goes throughout the year. Floyd is forced out for mismanagement. Nobody really knows. There's a lot of speculation. It's a job he always wanted. He finally gets it. He doesn't last a few years. He's out. So mm -hmm. what happens is they pick another guy who's a vice president. Okay. Now he's already like second in command to Ronnie Floyd. They move him in as interim CEO. And then they decide, you know what? We like this guy. We're going to hire him. So when they get ready to hire the guy, they're looking at his resume. He's got a bunch of phony schools on his resume. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, I'm a graduate of this school. That school doesn't even exist. <laughs> it's all a sham. This guy's a liar, and he's wow. second in command. He's, he's the interim that you're going to hire. He's a phony. So they're like, well, we got to. How do you quietly remove your interim that you were about to hire when you find out the guy's a phony? So you you say, okay, we made a mistake. We got rid of him. You bring in the next guy, third in command, also a, a vice president of the executive committee. You bring him in, and lo and behold, he is a member of a church that's dually aligned with the Southern Baptist Convention and the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, which is the liberal Baptist mm -hmm. group. And so you're like, well, you know, he's kind of, he's in this church that seems a little liberal. Lo and behold, his wife is serving on staff there. So you do a little digging and the pastor is, is on Twitter boasting that his seminary is now recognizing women preachers. And he's excited about that. Mm. And then you Goodness. wonder where all the pushback from women preachers is coming from. It's not coming from the floor. They clearly voted. It's yeah. from the top. The mm -hmm. top down. It's just like the government. If Southern Baptists don't see this, Wade, I have, I don't feel sorry for you. Right. I pity your ignorance, but you're getting what you deserve. Right. This, I'm just a hillbilly in Arkansas with an open newspaper and I can see what's going on. Mm -hmm. if you can't shame on you that you don't have any more discernment than that. Oh, I'm telling you, that's pitiful. Uh, I just saw this on Twitter. It says here, this is Jason Paradis and it's showing a picture of him. He voted, this man voted to keep Rick Warren and Saddleback in the SBC. He openly states that his church has women pastors. Our SBC leaders thought it would be a good idea to put him, who is proudly in defiance to the Baptist faith and message, on the committee yeah. to decide what to do about churches that defy the Baptist faith and, mes uh, Baptist faith and message. He said, it's rigged. And we don't need a committee to decide whether or not we should follow our doctrine. We just need to follow our doctrine. And then it says, pass the law amendment in Indy. Yeah. So the amendment has to be voted twice. It does. And it, it uh, passed, it passed in New Orleans. But if you think that thing's going to pass in Indiana, <laughs> right? Here's why, here's why I don't see it passing Wade every year. The Southern Baptists slide further down this slope. More and more conservatives are jumping off the ship. Mm -hmm. You and I jumped off years ago. I mean, your church, right. our, the church I pastored back then left a long time ago. But what we're getting at is 
every year that this goes down, more and more preachers are getting off with conservative values. Mm-hmm. Then look at the churches the Southern Baptist is planting. They're not planting traditional value churches. They're planting uh, affinity-based churches, or they're planting what I would call New Age Church, Elevation Church, Journey Church, uh, Eagle Rising Church, Lift Up Church. Uh, And the doctrine is shallow. The preaching is man-centered. And these are the churches that are replacing the conservative churches. And if you are a, a Southern Baptist church plant, they will pay your way mm-hmm. free of charge to go to the convention and vote the way they want you to vote. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way this gets turned around. This no, has been in no. a downslide since Nashville. Conservatives yeah. lost in Nashville. They lost worse in Anaheim. You saw a little blip in New Orleans, but you watch a big slide happen when they get mm-hmm. to Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. Well, Harold, this is one podcast where we have talked about many, many problems in the world, but not any answers. <laughs> Jesus is coming soon. That's my only hope. That's right. That's right. Well, man, it has been good to to visit with you. And I know you're going to be traveling here in the next couple of weeks. You're going to be preaching in Georgia, right? Or I'll be in East Arkansas this weekend. I'll be in Georgia first part of October. All right. I'm near Waycross. He's a traveling preacher, Backwoods Baptist. <laughs> if you haven't checked out his podcast, uh, look at that. Uh, check that out. It's Backwoods Baptist. You're on all kinds of social media or podcast platforms. You're Every on YouTube. podcast platform, I think, and I'm on YouTube. So if, yeah. if, if my awful voice ain't enough, you can look at my ugly mug at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. We uh, hope that each of y'all who are listening have a great rest of the week. May may the Lord bless you.